selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. You know, <laughs> okay, it's actually just so funny because what I love about Shopify is no matter how huge and massive you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control, yes, daddy, and take your business to the next level because we're business women. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash book club. That's shopify.com slash book club, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash book club. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies to steal a moment for yourself before the week ahead. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Who's that knocking at the door? It's all your friends, you filthy whore. Your husband's gone and we've got books and a bottle of wine to kill. It's Hollywood. It's books. It's gossip. I'm shook. It's memoirs. It's martinis. It's Studio 54. It's It's Celebrity Book Club. Come read it while it's hot. Celebrity Book Club. Tell your secrets, we won't talk. Celebrity Book Club. No boys are allowed. Celebrity Book Club. Club. Buzz me in, I brought the Cuervo. Hey, hey best, best friend. friend. <laughs> How are you on this beautiful Tuesday? Gorgeous, wintry Tuesday. You know, I am doing really, really well. It's been an insanely chaotic week. I know I've been sick. I know you've been struggling with home injuries. <laughs> I have. You just got back from Miami. I just turned 30B. <laughs> it's been really wild. For some reason, we haven't seen each other in a long time. And somehow no. in that week, like a lot has happened. And um, I'm really... I became fully crippled. Can I say that? You can't say anything. <laughs> you, beca- you became crippled. You sort of crossed over into middle age. <laughs> I'm literally like. I have no gray hairs yet, but it's like now I'm like officially middle aged. Like in the 50s, 36 was considered middle age. I mean, in the 40s, 36 was considered dead. And in the 1840s, like. Oh my God, honey. It was a medical miracle if you were still alive. Um, You were certainly missing all your teeth, but those chomfers are still looking good from what I can see. But your toe is. Yeah, so I um, was cleaning my room on Saturday afternoon, and um, I just kind of walked into a corner of a wall and stubbed that pinky toe, and um, that little piggy, you know, you can tell we, I was, like, screaming for a while, and I was like, oh, this really hurts, and then you're kind of like, an hour goes by, and I finally started during that hour where it was throbbing, the Tegan and Sarah show on Amazon that everyone has been telling us to watch that's based off the book we did. 
And, and you did watch the movie. It is really good. I'm obsessed. I would say it's almost like better than the book because you get to see like <laughs> girl on girl action. <laughs> Hot. So you see full penetration? No. You don't see like. You don't see finger in vagina. No, it's a little more like teen longing and just like the styling is really good and they're in like so many like funky big hoodies. I was gonna say, are, how big are the hoodies? Are we no the stylings? They're in big like, Calgary, smashing, huge Calgary hoodie flannels, massive jinkos, wallet chains, smashing pumpkin T-shirts. Like they're always like borrowing Converse from each other. Damn. And anyway, yeah, and that's my um my little TV for review. <laughs> Obviously, we'll get into more media we love in the VIP <laughs> lounge. <laughs> Stay tuned for the Culture Gab Fest. <laughs> I didn't have the luxury of watching television while I was in Miami, except I did catch, like, <laughs> that's not true. I did catch, like, three episodes of The White Lotus on, like, HBO in my hotel room, just, like, randomly throughout the season. And I was like, okay, this is fun. Um, you finally caved in to the rest of us sheep. Bah! <laughs> Aubrey Plaza. I mean, speaking of Aubrey Plaza. I'm sorry. One fucking note. Yeah. It's like. You're bored. <laughs> like, like um, but ultimately I did only watch two episodes and I look forward to seeing other episodes at other hotels that I'm at. And I'm kind of excited to take that journey. Um, I'm also, I need to hear everything about Miami. But. And I will tell you, I will tell you all about my trip to Miami and the VIP lounge. I will tell you about the drivers that I had every single day ferrying me around Miami. I will tell you about all the meals I ate at our hotel. I was actually being so white lotus. And it I was feel like, just you're, like wait, where you're just like getting driven only eating at the hotel, like not going out to eat like anywhere to, else. Not going out to eat. It was like day four. It's just like, and I'm having the $17 ceviche again. And it's just like by the fourth ceviche, you're, you're just like, like I'm, the, menu the being cracks like, are showing. Hmm. And I feel like you were, again, we need to get to the book, but I feel like you were, like, literally, like, actually really working. I was literally working. I was interviewing (laughs) people at crypto events um, who are... Mm, how do I say this? I will save it for the VIP lounge. I feel like you're like also <laughs> under an NDA for this event. And maybe we need like a v VIP lounge and I'll break it up. And this is what we also more media that I consume that we need to talk about the VIP lounge, which is the Santa documentary that I sent you a clip of. <laughs> oh, wait, that looks completely insane about like the, the lesbian Queer queering Santa. Santa just being like, I'm sorry, but I'm Dr. Claus because I do. I'm, I'm not Mrs. Claus. I'm Doctor. Dr. Claus. I've been walking around. This is documentary about making like this league of santas in new england more diverse i've been walking around my house just saying i'm dr claus <laughs> oh she's from chicago the femme oh my god mrs claus who wants to be called as dr claus of course and just like and <laughs> she's like i work and so does santa we're not married and we need to make space for folks in the north pole who aren't married just to like just to piggyback off the diversity topic and we will get into this vip lounge but as you know i did go to a tequila party for dragones tequila on a yacht owned by the ceo of iHeartRadio, <laughs> which i will tell you about but allegedly according to somebody i was with the tequila master for this brand is the only lesbian tequila master in the world <laughs> the only tequila master in the world but it's like tequila master seems like the most lesbian title no i know i was just like everywhere i go i'm seeing like the most vest spiky haired spiky fedora lesbian bartendress and i'm like how is it possible that there's only 
be one. Being like, this is a mezcal from a small village south of Juarez. Um, it's been made by the same. So clearly, there's something up if there's only one lesbian. But it may be master. this thing where Tequila Master is such a like grand sommelier title where you do need to like pay eighty thousand dollars to some certification course to get it, and like there are financial sure reasons that are preventing are our community from getting right, those licenses. Just, oh, oh. You just have to basically pay, have daddy pay your way to become right. tequila master. And as we know, lesbians have a tough time building generational wealth. Yes. <laughs> because of how much merch <laughs> they buy. <laughs> Wait, I'm literally wearing merch right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you don't own a home. <laughs> no, it's literally, I'm revealing, I'm wearing You're this. Na- this Nathan's famous <laughs> Uncle Sam tee. <laughs> It was an impulse by, as most were I think most are. <laughs> um, where did you, where, were you at like Coney Island when you got that? Yeah, it was a, it was like a climate change day. And like me, Maya, um, friend of the pod, Mia, were just like doing a Coney Island like ridiculous walk because it was like warm out. Oh, oh, you weren't at an event to like stop climate change. No, no, we were not like protesting like at the beach with like seals like coming to the shore. Okay, wait, sidebar, just a preview of the crypto insanity. I was like at this event talking to this guy. Everyone is so life coach, like psycho drinking the Kool-Aid down there. And this one guy was just like, yeah, actually I'm working in the crypto space and we are doing a beach cleanup and we're actually tokenizing the beach cleanup. So wait, oh wait, so you can like buy an NFT of the beach cleanup. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? So I'm buying a fractional piece of a JPEG of trash that you got off the beach? How how does this help That's anyone? Right. It's like how, yeah, and it's like, okay, no, I have now stock in this beach cleanup. <laughs> okay, we have to get to the book. We have to talk about the book. Oh, it's so great catching up with friends after a session with better help anyway and you know who also loves to catch up with friends and not and doesn't like small talk likes to catch up with friends soberly at a beach <laughs> now that he's into surfing and can actually like connect with the water and now that is... he's allowed to go surfing because he wasn't part of the cool surfing kids in exactly high the lost boys i would say this is actually one of our most requested books randomly yes um, so this one's for, for you, club <laughs> This kids. one's for fucking you, for the callers, the late night strollers, the actors, the artists, the dreamers, the thinkers, people who literally, again, have a freaking dream. It's the actor known as Rob, Rob Lowe. Lowe and his book, Stories I Only Tell My Friends, an autobiography. An autobiography. Um, and it's the cover is like a sepia-toned close-up shot of that gorgeous face mm. kind of squinting in the sun. And it's kind of with his hands over his eyes. It's like covering the sun. Yeah. So he's kind, kind of, of a- kind of looking out. You can picture him maybe in Malibu, like looking at the the horizon. Or looking at his sons, Owen and John Ween. Jo- okay. So- <laughs> oh no, no, no. It's Matthew no, and John. Matthew Owen. and John Owen. So it's he he wanted the name John. His wife Cheryl wanted the name Owen. Beautiful, beautiful Cheryl. And so they decided to combine them and name the child John Owen. But it's not John Owen. It's all one word. It's J- John Owen. John Owen, which is it's really so- giving like early Hollywood, like Hudson Quinlan. Quinston. Yeah, like what what did Julie Roberts Neighbor kid uh, Phineas? 
<laughs> yeah, but like, Phineas, I guess it has this vibe of like old timey, like referencing England and like. No, I mean, which is like still all names now, just being like Margot, Agnes, whatever. But right, Jonowin feels really Malibu to me. It's just wrong. It's just one of those. It's things. just not a it's name. Very, it's like, just wrong. It's, it's very yeah. like Brecca, which we discussed in the Indiana Taylor Garza app. Just like that's not a name. Um, <laughs> Demetria. Okay, and I want to talk about the back of the book which is the most, like, insane actor photo I've ever seen. It's Rob Lowe looking, again, hot as hell. Like, laughing down, looking down looking, in, like, the most, like, just distressed like, Distressed dad Levi's, jeans. Levi's, like, like, button fly, like, Western shirt. Okay, and also, like, so many bracelets, like, leather bracelets. He just is so catalog model, and, like, he'll always be that, and I think that is why, like... Informed his career and why he had the career he... But he's had the career he has had and compared to everyone else like in the Brat Pack and whatever it's just like he's never really had an auteur moment and like the most prestige thing he's done is the West Wing which you know is still cheesy at the and end of the day. this whole book is about like him getting the big movie like the outsiders and then like and shooting it for like a year and going through this grueling grueling audition process and then he's cut from the film or like yeah. Even on the West Wing, like everyone is given a raise but him. And then like and it's like him and learning to accept that actually some of his best roles were like not leading roles, which I agree with, which is just like yeah. the comedies, Austin, Austin Powers, Powers, Tommy Boy. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, because you look at everyone else that was his contemporary, it's like Demi Moore, Tom Cruise, Patrick Swayze, Matt Dillon, all of those people have like extremely like highbrow, like very auteur moments in their career that they can point to of being like, oh, this is something that like everyone agrees now looking back is like a very like chic, cool, smart movie. And like Robo that defined it. And it's like in this book he would like talk about these movies that he did he that and you're and he's like, and then we started filming like Square Dance. And then we started filming about last night. And you're like never heard of any of these. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean and like I've definitely seen, like, his bigger 80s flicks. St. Elmo's Fire. St. Elmo's Fire. I have to say I've never seen St. Elmo's Fire. But I so have he was seen passed Breakfast over Club. for Breakfast Club by Judd Nelson because right. John Hughes wanted someone, like, more of an unknown. And I feel like that is another thing that kept on happening to him. Like, then he became at some point, famous, he became yeah. too known to be the, like, unknown hottie. Yeah. But then, like, not Tom Cruise enough to be this full... I mean, he also just says, I mean, Tom Cruise, let me, I mean, as you know, Tom Cruise is one of my favorite actors, and he's brilliant. I know you love Mission Impossible. I know you love, wait, what's that amazing movie with him and Cameron Diaz? Night and Day. Oh, Oh. well, also... (laughs) (laughs) Well, also Night and Day, though. The movie where he's a spy, and he's, the whole movie is him, like, drugging her. And then she's, like, waking up on a helicopter being, like, what's happening? And then they have to, like, fight their way out of a warehouse. And it's, like, literally the most dream movie ever. Just, like, a spy is constantly just, like, drugging you. But then you become a spy. Okay, I do need to see that. And, you know, it's funny because it's saying almost fire is more me. Like, I feel like his character in that is, like, a sexy guy who's a saxophonist who dates Demi Moore. But right, because like, there's kind of the like, iconic poster hard. where he's blowing on the sax, and he does talk about how that infiltrated every dorm room, and then he knew he had pierced the zeitgeist. Right. By now, every cool guy wanted to play sax. And then I think I really, I mean, I think of, like, Parks and Rec 
honestly, as his like most role that in a way is true to him, he is hot, but he's catalog hot. And yeah. that's like yes. his joke on Parks and Rec yes. is like he's still just like corny. Yeah. Well, and he is so corny. I mean, and this kind of explains his whole his love of the West Wing. So this whole book is like sort of leads up to the West Wing, which is like, you know, inarguably his biggest role. And he like starts out the book talking about like doing this photo shoot for George magazine, like right before JFK Jr. died in that plane crash. Do you remember where you when were you... when John John died? I remember. I, I want to say school. But I do remember, I feel like I remember, like, it was this thing. I, like, it wasn't like, oh, my parents were, like, crying about John Jr. dying. Mm. But, like, it, the Kennedys do, and especially if you're from Massachusetts, have yeah. that much more effect that it is, like, a little more family meeting. Like, something really it, bad it happened It is today. very family like, meeting. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> hey, kids, like, sit down. Well, it's so funny because his mom does that to him when for the moon landing. And she's like, the the, moon, she the wakes him gonna, up. She was going to change. Um, but yeah, I remember for me, I was with my uh, childhood best friend Ben at his house, and his nanny came and, sh- and like you know we had no- we've been following the story. The plane was missing on the on the flight to Nantucket, and then like she came, and we were like playing video games, and she was just like, "They found the plane." Did she say? It like that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They found that she's like so like yeah they found the plane. I mean she was a little bit more just like mm, they found the plane. Just like yeah. we all knew it, and we were both just being like oh my god that's like so sad. What I really remember is seeing George magazine, you know, at the CVS and like knowing it was cool. Yeah, not really like reading it or like, but getting that it was cooler than the other magazines. Yeah, and I got that it was like culture, but politics. You know, I could gather that it was the top hole of its day. The whole. I mean, this book is just also one of the most actor, actor books Ugh, of just like admiring yeah. men and like being an actor and just like He's honestly really like praising the actor like as a star and like getting you to understand why actors are like so important. Yeah. And so it's like the book starts out with like him and JFK Jr. like at a ski resort <laughs> no, I, at like no, Sun no, Valley. No, and no. he's like, they're shaking each other's hands and they're back and having slapping. a talk like men. Like do. Matt, he's just like, and like a JFK Junior's like, how'd you do it, man? And Rob Lowe's just like, man, here's my advice. If you meet a girl and she's your best friend, <laughs> marry her. Yeah. Don't wait another second because wait life another is second. short and you don't know when it's going to pass you by. Lock her down. And JFK <laughs> Jr., like, they're in Aspen and they're just yeah. like, okay, got it. And then he's like, and he did marry his beautiful yeah. blonde Gorgeous siren, Carolyn. Wife. And then he did kill her in a plane accident. <laughs> but he married her. But Respect. So, but so the whole book starts out like framing this as this George photo shoot where he's going to do right before West Wing premieres. And he's so proud of the West Wing. And it's also so clear. It's like how people who both worked on the West Wing and love the West Wing like see no distinction between the fiction of the West Wing and their like... Literally working at the White working House. Working at the White House and their idealized version of the White House. And I think that that... As someone who used to work in politics, I remember... Sorry, wait. You used to work in politics? Actually, it's really interesting you bring that up, Lily. Thank you for <laughs> actually bringing that up, because I did... And, and you've written speeches, am I, am I correct? Which is Rob Lowe's I was actually... I was job. the Rob... I was the Sam Seaborn um, for Bill de Blasio and Scott Stringer. And my speeches, often, that those would be fundraising emails saying, please donate $20 <laughs> quote, quote. and 13 cents to donate to our 2013 campaign. 
<laughs> but I remember my first boss. Do you remember Catherine, my first boss at Scott Stringer? Yeah. Um, who would make me work from 9 a.m. till 7 p.m. every day. Her ringtone was the West, was Wing, the West Wing theme song. Oh, my God. That's so corny. Because everyone in politics of, like, my generation, which is different than your generation. Yeah, now my, you're, you're 36. like, really sit down. Let me tell you a story. Well, Once I wrote a fundraising email for Bill de Blasio's wife. Okay. Well, you wouldn't so understand. respect your elders. You're, no, you're Gen X. You don't understand what us millennials went through. But... It yeah, was, no, what? sorry. Um, <laughs> some of us are actually gym buddies with Bill de Blasio, so <laughs> why don't true. you take a seat? Yeah, me and... Um, you guys are kettlebelling yeah, together. Uh, me and Bill, um, William, actually, <laughs> as I call him, um, we're biking, not next to each other at the Y the other week, but many bikes between us, but the same row. And there was no one, no one between us except for the bikes, like five bikes between us. That makes sense. I'm biking on the left. He's on the right. And uh, yeah, heat wired headphones. Um, Not the wired. I love that. Yeah. That's so me when I'm losing my wireless. Uh, totally. <laughs> I want to talk about when he won the scene where they're all auditioning. Basically, like all the male stars of the 80s are auditioning for The Outsiders. So Matt Dillon, Tom Cruise. Yeah. And they all get sent to the plaza. They're all like 16 to 19. Okay, so this whole scene. So they basically, so just so our listeners know, so they had a first one of auditions and it was like very intense and Francis Ford Coppola and like Rob Lowe has to cry and they're all like, they, he already knows Emilio Estevez. He like lives next to him in, in the Sheens in Malibu and like Martin And they're Sheen always like already, playing football and, and like drinking I beers. Mean, the, the way it's so, the way he talks is so like montage about an 80s movie, just like very Itania, just being like, yeah. man, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times we were calling girls shooting hoops working out dropping lewds drinking <laughs> beers like, going to the beach getting in trouble driving cars crashing like, he's bikes. like yeah i had my 1968 <laughs> mazda man it was all a, a total also wait can we talk about how he does the demi the classic actor thing where he's like a hot actor and he's like yeah i was just like a loser ugly weirdo who was called a fag wait yes no i mean that is his whole like, story he's literally fat even though he's like a hot guy finds a way to be every girl memory of ever read being like i was gangly and awkward and weird and i wasn't allowed in the coolest place on the bus and all the surfers hated me because i was a faggot and i wanted to be an actor and though you know why i do also think this happens because like a rob lowe and a tom cruise when we see them on screen it's about proportions for tv because yes. like in person they are like Small. tiny and like yes. the head is too big yes and so they're maybe bo- they're a all Malibu tiny high, little bobbleheads yeah the like taller blonde surfers were hotter and they were like, who's this guy with a big head who loves Liza Minnelli? Wait, and can I bring up a point just as a sidebar? Oh, uh, please. All boys are really gay, like pre-16, I feel like. I feel like there are a lot of like seven-year-old boys you see that you're like, damn, (laughs) is he going to be gay? And then he turns out actually really straight. Describing just like normal biology, just like yeah, you you don't get flooded with testosterone and your balls don't drop until you're 13. So yeah, at seven you do seem like a faggot. (laughs) But you're like they've got these little high voices. Okay, but I'm saying with like bio cis little girls, you're not like okay, you guys are all lesbians. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of, but also like so many girls are tomboys. Okay, you're, I mean, okay, but yes, also you're right. I think part of it is because society teaches men. Yes. Right? No, what's that? So that book, Boys Can Cry, but mainly my story was that. Um, Boys are so naturally that- more sensitive and then they're taught to be like you know, stiffer. Toxic. And, yeah, um, toxic. Rob Lowe is obsessed with Liza Minnelli as a child. Okay, well, the Liza Minnelli meeting scene where at 20 not, he's like a child and he's like going to so many additions. His mom is, I just feel like the mom in this story is the same as every mom in every story and is also the in same bed, as every mom wine, I know in real life. It's also just, no, ev- like literally every mom is just like, and then she entered a period of her life where she was in bed for five hours a day. It's like <laughs> made me think of a few moms you and me no, no. possibly you know. It's no, like it was, oh, it was yeah, like, that stage where my uh, where a mom yeah was just in her bedroom for five hours a day. It's just like all moms are always doing this, being like I'm sick and I don't know why. And then it's just like this is the story: moms are tired, dads are gone. Yeah, that's the toxic masculinity, and, and it's just like it never, yeah, it never. Once ends. it hits forty, like now, yeah, moms are like I'm. And then Absolutely she becomes like out. so new age and oils and like wearing an oxygen mask around LA. And <laughs> she's like always marrying like, her yeah, analyst. She marries her analyst who she like meets at a special at an allergy like, hospital. hospital. <laughs> it's also very early Scientology 70s cult where yeah. it's like, I met a man and he helps with allergies. And it's actually like an allergy cult. And like there is like a Netflix talk about it. But I mean, the analogs to today are just like so many. It's just so like, okay, and now it's so wellness. And it's just like every mom now just being like, my son has 17 peanut allergies. And now we can only have essential oils in the house. What happened to free basin peanuts, huh? Thank you. What happened to letting your kid get uh, fucked up in the playground? Yeah. So the mom, they moved to L.A. with the psychiatrist his dad is like an ohio pimp which is like again the most classic store where he's like banging every woman who works at his like <laughs> chain of grocery <laughs> stores and drives <laughs> a cadillac when he was, and plays golf when he was in that like local troupe for like teens and there was like a hot girl in a dinosaur costume like the local like weather station and then he later found out that his dad was oh, banging was- her and he was like, legend. Matt, legend, dad. My dad was a legend. Was banging <laughs> this like blonde chick in a dinosaur costume that was like working with kids for like WGBH. <laughs> <laughs> it's like random. Um, okay. Anyway, he does meet Liza Minnelli. She's fabulous. And she's drinking so much wine and chocolate. And then just being like, kid, like <laughs> you're going to be an actor one day. And she's like, what do you want to do, kid? Bites chocolate. And it's like, I see it in you. Well, just go after it. And he was like, man, I love Liza Minnelli. Celebrity Book Club. This episode is sponsored by ZocDoc. You're trying to find a cause for your symptoms. Achy back, headache, runny nose, itchy eye, wart on my genitals. So let me guess, you stumble down a TikTok rabbit hole full of questionable advice from so-called experts. Suddenly I have cancer? Uh, no thank you. (laughs) There are better ways to get the answers you want and the care you deserve from trusted professionals and not random people on the internet. Though randoms, I love you, and my TikTok addiction, yeah, it stands. But I'm sorry, Lily, you shouldn't be getting medical advice from some girl in her grandmother's basement in Toronto. ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need and deliver the type of experience you want. That's right. Ditch the talk, get the doc. 
ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. No more Dr. Roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't met yet. Mm, I love a trusted guide, like the time I climbed to Machu Picchu on the Inca Trail with a team of Sherpas. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. So find your Sherpa at ZocDoc.com. Go to ZocDoc.com slash book club and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Slay. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash book club. ZocDoc.com slash book club. Ditch the talk. So they, they first of all, they take this plane ride. It's like him, Emilio Estevez, Tom Cruise, and like whoever else. Maybe Matt Dillon is on the plane. I don't know. And they're all like. No, Matt Dillon is. This is the whole thing. Matt Dillon is a New York kid that's brought in. So Matt Dillon is like not at the hotel yet. They're all at the plaza and they're all like sharing rooms. 15-year-old Tom Cruise calls his agent and starts screaming at his agent being like, they're making us share rooms. Like, what the fuck? This is not acceptable. Like, thank you, Pauline. Hangs up. Yeah. And they're all like, who is this insane, tiny businessman? And, and like, and Tom he's Cruise. just like, and he had a, like a, a professionalism and attention to detail that would later serve him very well in life. But I was also just because I was looking for evidence because then he's like, that we went to like Times Square because we wanted to get girls and booze. Like we were young, we only had one thing on our <laughs> we mind. We got in the back of the cab. We said Forty Second Street, sir. But I do feel like that is extremely gay of Tom Cruise to be like, I need my own room. Yeah, why else? Because he's probably going to Times Square to get like. Hustlers. but Hustlers. also just being so like i need my own room at the plaza yeah it's also just gay in it not even i'm hosting way just like i need to like put on my moisturizer and go to bed and like have my own space and i don't want like loud boys being loud near me yeah he's like ooh, i'm not gonna have like emilio estevez's like nasty ass like sleeping next to me yeah and his dirty socks gross <laughs> um and then the next day matt dylan like walks on set to the auditions and he's literally just like holding like a big boom box <laughs> like playing music and like not a care in the world and they're all like damn that guy's a badass he does said this thing about tom cruise where he's like he had this in this intensity where like no matter what you'd be doing in the scene somehow when the camera would go on him he would turn up the intensity like so much more in this way that was like so focused and professional it was scary and which is another reason why I love Tom Cruise as an actor because you see that intensity. That on the intensity screen. in his little eyes. In his tiny, beady little eyes in his 5'7 frame. And you're just like, yeah, you really are taking this seriously. And it is a little scary. I guess I didn't realize also, like, I knew Francis Ford Coppola was insane. I didn't realize, like, how much of an insane director he was, where he was like, Okay, now, like, go, like, sleep at a random person's house in Tulsa who, like, and used so to be a method, yeah. And, um, and like, and forcing all of them opera. to, like, do their, get their, make their own costumes. And, like, Emilio Estevez chose the Mickey Mouse t-shirt. That was a really cool styling film note that, 
Yeah. He chose I, no, him. I like his advice. And he was like, you know, find what you can to make the part your own and stand out in an ensemble. Not in a way that's too much, but like just enough that like people think it's interesting. And like, that's what I'm really doing. And it was a really good idea. And I was watching the opening of The Outsiders last night. And it's like, it does it where it's like, Matt, they can't all, because if they're all in leather jackets and like look like Matt Dillon's character, then it's just like a little too grease. But it's like Matt Dillon is in a leather jacket, but then like Emilio Estevez is in like this Mickey Mouse tee and then Rob Lowe is like flannel white t-shirt, which is probably more accurate rather than like they're this big like leather jacketed gang. Um, Wait, can we just role play the scene with Sarah Jessica Parker at the diner? Just to, um, before we do this, I just want to, the way he frames every single story in this oh, book. It's always is a reveal of the a celebrity. Reveal where he's like, yeah, me and this beautiful blonde girl with curly hair met up at a diner. And like, or it's like, me and this guy were at a golf course. And that man was Ronald Reagan. No, and that <laughs> woman was Daryl Hannah. No, it's and always that- just like, 15 years later, I looked in the newspaper to see my old friend, Janet. Janet Janet Jackson. Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Starts her world tour. Good writing device, but I was like... I actually actually knew it was Sarah because he said she was Annie, and I knew that she was Annie on Broadway. Like a good gay. But I saw this coming. But also it was... Also, she's from Ohio, too. And she's being so her. Okay, wait. So go to page 75. So they're having this, like like diner date to talk about this um, movie they're going to work on. And he... Rob Lowe really brings his, like, 15-year-old girlfriend... Um, and she's just, he doesn't get it. And he's like, I was, he didn't like her, his agent was like, I want you to meet this girl. As we say goodbye, Sarah takes my arm. Will you do this forever? You think? Do what forever? Acting silly. I don't know. I hope so. What about you? <sighs> it's what I love. She says her eyes glowing with sweet intensity. I hope I can do it forever. She says this with a solemnity <laughs> that is so honest that it moves me. Or at least until I'm an adult. <laughs> we hug goodbye as my agent drives her away. I wonder if I'll ever see her again. And then blah, blah, blah. 21 years later, I'm thrilled when Sarah Jessica Parker wins an Emmy for her Smash Sex in the City. But just her going, acting silly, silly. is so her. Also, nothing and is more also, her than like grabbing someone's arm being like, wait. Do you think we'll do this forever? And just like the... Um, it's what we I, do this forever. It's so what sex I, the city. It's what I love. It's just like her that like wistfulness is so. No, it's her. XO. It's rabbit, rabbit. XO, it's XO. what I love. It's what and I she's love. Tossing her big curly, you know, her curls, <laughs> acting silly. Waves maybe skips a little. She's in leg warmers. Yeah, gets back, and, and the agent got that- also is like in this car waiting outside the diner. While these like fifteen year olds like have a weird lunch. Um, okay, I love these windows. I guess I'll just say this book is so actor because he's actually just never revealing the actual details. I The way he doesn't describe sex is so annoying. No, I know. But people, thank you, applause. People, when they're, and this is not an insult to any of the people who recommended it as like this salacious Hollywood book. It's like, it's kind of just like film actor nerd salacious. It's literally just being like, and that's how freaking you know bernie bilstein directed (laughs) directed like yeah it's just so fucking unclear because i just like can't tell how actually sexual he is and he's like i was out of control and then he has this whole romance with um 
the princess of, of Monaco, Princess of Stephanie. Monaco. And he's like, we were getting up at noon and then staying out in the nightclubs in Paris till five. But again, it's like not describing sex. It's like Janice Dickinson describes how big everyone's penis is. Jennifer yes. Lewis describes how big everyone's penis is. Can he? Even I mean, Demi is like, we have this threesome. He's like, he was like, things were crazy. And like this whole book is also like framed around his sobriety. And it's like, again, in this like really Hollywood way where he's like, things were, yeah, he's like, things were literally out of control. Vodka tonics, dinner. No, I know. And I'm just And like, then I actually started working out in the morning with this guy who was shot. And, and you're it, like It's just like even no, the the whole like descent into alcoholism, I'm kind of just like okay. He was okay. like, yeah, I was going out with my boys and having tequila and you're kind of like it's giving normal. It's giving it's giving really that, normal and like sorry, <laughs> alcoholism not to, is a disease. I, I know do it's agree, a disease but I'm a little bit I'm, like I'm not trying to more. normalize excessive consumption, but I'm just being like, where was the like, he was like, I had hit rock bottom. Like I was hungover. And I'm a little bit like, this is just a hangover. Like where's the God, actually God, to like. us going to promises in Arizona. <laughs> no, I know. I'm sure so we will. his rock bottom is his Munchausen mom calls him and is like leaving a voicemail in the 90s and is like, your grandfather had a heart attack and he has, I mean, this is low. He has more tequila so he can go to sleep so he can wake up. That That's low totally, but it's also just like that feels like that sometimes happens and that's like a really bad moment that happened. It's like, it, it's not like it's like, you were losing jobs and like you like, you know, had like lost or gained a lot of weight and were like the doctor was telling you were dying and like alienating all your friends and were going crazy in public. It's like that's the kind of alcoholic descent that we see in literally every other story goes to rehab. Like Right. And obviously alcoholism can look like No, you can pri- you can privately struggle. Anything. But I was just but like yeah, even the private the, struggle. He- I'm not even seeing the private struggle. No, no, I know. It was like, let us in more. That was the thing. He was like, and then the other thing that was like, when he keeps on being like, leading up to this moment, he's like, soon my private life would like go up in flames. And it was that like, he was dating his wife, who's still his wife. And like, she broke up with him for a few weeks when she heard a girl on the, like when she called him in the background. Right. Oh, and he had a sex tape, which I'm still like unclear of who he was with. Yeah. Again, everything is so unclear. And it's just like, I mean, even the, okay, like this is what I knew this book was not going to be satisfying. And he's like with that random girl on Paradise Cove and he's like a 14. Yeah. Um, turns out it was her first time too. So together on a moonlit beach, we crossed that wondrous anxiety filled Rubicon, cutting away the last vestige of childhood. I wasn't in love. She wasn't even my girlfriend. But she was kind, she was pretty, and she was my good friend. I was too young to know how valuable and rare that combination is. But after that warm March night in Paradise Cove, I was on the road to finding out. It's just like, it's the literary equivalent of just like, zooming out and showing the curtains yes. wafting no every, i mean he is an 80s star so it literally is saxophone woman undressing <laughs> like, behind a japanese screen yeah. and then like sheets and a woman being like oh yeah and then like cut to the next day and all the only thing where he ever describes a woman is like beautiful blue eyes <laughs> it's and like blonde that, hair and blonde, it's like that's all he ever says he can't can i read also the closest he gets to the most insane cheesy sex scene 
This is about him and his wife. Oh. He's at Sting's house. We walk to Stonehenge, which is practically in the backyard. Pavarotti drops by, and he and Sting <laughs> record a duet of Panis Angelicus for a new album. The recording studio in the converted chapel of the ancient home is filled with two of the most heavenly voices of the 20th century. In fact, as Luciano hits the high notes of the aria, both Sting and I weep in spite of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, Cheryl and I are wowed again as Sting records, If I Ever Lose My Faith in You, his voice strong and high and clear as a bell. After a glorious dinner in front of the fireplace, more than 500 years old, Cheryl and I retired to our room. The night was an occasion to remember, and as it turned out, we always would. Nine months later, our first son, Matthew Edward Lowe, was born. <laughs> It's like, nothing could be more the phrase making love than that. It's like, sorry, you and Sting weeping at Pavarotti singing, and then you and your beautiful wife of 22 years conceived your conceive. son. Conceive. It was a night to remember. remember. It's just like, you fucking pansy-ass little bitch. Give us anything. Okay, wait. This is the, the airplane scene with the, like, stewardess or whatever. On the flight home... I have what is to be the first in a long series of lessons about the temptations of actresses. Although Corey's waiting back in Malibu, so he's like 16. The excitement and glamour of the unfolding romantic drama in the first class cabin quickly overpower my 15-year-old male willpower. What happens on the plane isn't anywhere near Erica Jong territory. Oh. No idea what that's about. But I'm definitely not going to be sharing any traveling stories with my girlfriend. That's it. That's all we got. That, that I was like, I screamed when that, at that paragraph. I was like, are you serious? Nothing. Just absolutely. So I'm just like assuming this is a mile high or a just mile a, high hand job. Hand, yeah, I was like hand job under blanket or like in bathroom. Either way, he's not telling us. It's just like, don't be. I mean, I guess it's like, okay, you know, all these celebrity memoirs have to be so like revealing and getting to the core and have so much psychoanalysis and then like so much like brutal pain. And I guess like I like that he's not being so okay. I have to like you know pour my heart out to you, and it's like I don't need you to pour your heart out, but I just need a little bit of color, you know. Yeah, it's kind of like filled with all these vivid like stories. In some place, it does get page turny, but yeah, I it's like there's a wall, there's a wall up, and it's like he does talk about his mother's. I mean, the closest he goes when he was like, I get triggered by PJs still yeah. to this day because of my mom because of my mom just like being tired and sick and pjs and like weirdly writing her journal for like six hours a day um i wish i had this page but he talks about how like someone was quote unquote like he's like has this whole page where he's like and by the way if you ever hear about a star being like quote unquote a diva on set it's only for two reasons he was like one they have an alcohol problem or like are in a mental break two like every single direction when you're a movie star people it was very woe is me like people are trying to get something from you I've worked with the biggest stars Brad Pitt Jennifer Garner and they are the classiest people on set you're like, I was like okay. wait when did you and Jennifer Garner work together we also had the thing where he was like I feel like some you know this reminds me of the scene where he was like, you take on a a role and it becomes a part of you. And for him, like, St. Elmo's Fire was that because he got to be, like, finally got to be the Chad. Yeah. Finally got to be, like, the popular guy. And he was like, and I wanted to be this, like, slick ladies man, like, playboy forever. And then I was like, it reminded me of a tweet from not friend of the pod. Dick George was once like, I feel like Jennifer Garner went into character for Catch and Release and never came out. <laughs> 
because she was in this like weird Christian movie in like 08 and it's just like she's been in this weird Christian place ever since and now she's so just like I have my farm company and like only makes like the weirdest like positive movies only like actually like sponsored by like weird Christian like sponsored by churches and like her baking videos I don't know if you ever watched them of course it's um, where she's just Jennifer like Garner's make- pretend cooking show, and she's being so like, oh, oops, oh, shut yeah, and she's always ah. being like, oops, I'm a mess, and it's like a little bit of flour, a little on bit of flour in her counter. absolutely massive <laughs> like marble kitchen with eighteen islands. <laughs> just, like, By the way, I randomly made everywhere. banana bread this morning, just as an FYI. What? Yeah, you just got I'm- up and you were like. Morning banana bread for my seven boys. <laughs> um, I feel like it's so TikTok. Like, uh, yeah, and that's what ADD looks like because I have like thirty <laughs> more pages of like the book to read. And I was like, what if instead I'm super random and made banana bread? <laughs> um, okay. Other scenes I want to get to. I mean, I guess there's a lot of like other celebrities when he like Daryl Hannah reveals she's a virgin, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The scene with Andy Warhol was kind of haunting and sad in this way that every yeah. story of Andy Warhol is. When they, they like all go to a restaurant and they're all like drawing and oh no it was so, so like it weird was dimension ch- gay guy where it, he was like let's all draw a pussy and like and like everyone get out a crayon and so it's just like Andy and Rob and who's the woman it's like some like start some like debutante or whatever of the day and they're like at some cafe by Central Park and like Rob Lowe draws like a really photorealistic vagina and then Andy Warhol's drawn a cat. And he's like, a little cat. Now that's a pussy. And it's just like, there's something really childish and creepy about the whole thing. And I'm just like, it's kind of, yeah, deranged Michael Jackson vibes. Like, I have like uh, people just around me at all times. He's so tragic. Another really sad, haunting moment that I laughed at because I love him so much, but it was really sad where he talks about going out to dinner with Chris Farley. Oh, that that was a great um, little thing about Chris Farley. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He goes, not surprisingly, Chris is a guy of huge appetites. The man has a shot of espresso before every close-up, which I'm obsessed with. Not before every scene, but every take. And so I shouldn't be taken back by his order at our dinner. But as Spade and I stare in disbelief, Farley eats two giant porterhouse steaks on the table of those old-school iced individual squares of butter. Chris places an entire square on top of each bite and both of his steaks. Finally, I can take more. No more. Chris, what the hell? I say as he places another cube on top of another mouthful. He giggles like a baby. It needs a hat. I mean, that's funny, and it's really sad, and it lets also so the meal that killed James Gandolfini, the, t- <laughs> no, the, the two terrines of foie gras and the pugilator trip. This, I thought this part was very um, very perceptive um, about Chris Farley. Unfortunately for Chris, he's unable to develop the muscle needed to say no to those who want him to remain the funny fat goof. And even though the concept of the movie makes him feel debased, he takes the fat goof role in Beverly Hills Ninja for a fortune, and it's never the same. Within a year, he will go like his idol, Jim Belushi, dead from a drug overdose at the age of 33. For me, it's a stark lesson that if you can't get honest with yourself, if you can't look yourself in the mirror, no matter how much money they pay you, you are literally putting your life at risk. I'm like, oh, God. I mean, obviously, a combo of things. But I'm like, I mean, Chris Farley is my favorite actor. It's just. He had to be the fat clown. He had to consume, consume, consume. That's what people wanted from him. And so he played that role on and off screen. And of course, like he became an obese drug addict. 
And it's just like, and it's like Rob Lowe saying that, just being like, and for me, I had to be like this hot catalog guy. And it's like, yeah, not as dangerous for your health. No, I know. And him, it's like he is just being kind of like clearly like fit Cali guy where he's like, Chris, like, please stop with the butter. Oh, wait. And then I read this on IMDb, this insane story about the filming of Tommy Boy, where Rob Lowe and David Spade like go out one night during shooting and Chris Farley is like so jealous because <laughs> Chris Farley like had to stay in that he like the entire day of filming he to David Spade, he's like, How is Rob Lowe? How is Rob Lowe? And I was like, this is so us. <laughs> and then he like starts beating up David Spade like Wait, Rob, on set. Rob Lowe does? No, Chris Farley. Oh, Chris Farley because he's so pissed that he hung out with Rob. Yeah. Wow. And like he wasn't invited. I mean, we are so David Spade and Chris Farley, Chris Farley. and we do need <laughs> to make a sequel to Tommy Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Black sheep. Um, Tommy, I, folks. <laughs> okay, couple of other things. Well, that's very his. We, that's very his rivalry with Michael J. Fox, who like wanted to be in the Brat Pack so much, and yeah, like and then, he was like, we had an awesome, masculine, fun boys rivalry, full of good-hearted, like good-natured ribbing and a wait, ton of gassing up, a, but also ribbing, but tons of respect, but joshing. <laughs> that was another non-story where Michael J. Fox has a party. Roblo goes over and then like goes to bed at some point, and then he yeah. thinks Michael J. Fox's dog curls up by him, but it's actually Michael J. Fox. Yeah, and like, and then like, the morning, the assistant is like, "What's going on?" Is like the story that they thought they were like the assistant thought they were like being gay with each other. It was just like. Rob Lowe was like, I had to, I ran out of embarrassment. Yeah. And then they went on like a six city tour to like, to like, pr- uh, like promote a drinking water act. Cause he's such a like good, oh a my good God. Democrat. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, and this is when I learned the power of celebrity to change politics. It's yeah, very no, just like, it's and like, this is why the Democrats lost in 2016. Yeah. He's like me, Jane Fonda, is- Whoopi, Michael J. Fox, and John Cena. Got this water bill like passed. You're like, and he was like, and I will say more on Hollywood activism, and it's like maybe say less. Yeah, say say less, fam. Oh, except for that was funny. I guess like he. This is of course in his like low point where he like is fucking some C-SPAN chick or some like secretary of some governor, and like he at some like. Paul like Dukakis fundraiser like he walks by with her and Sally Field whispers what the fuck to him uh, <laughs> okay, I forgot <laughs> about that part <laughs> Which, Sally Field saying what the fuck Sally Field yes mama call him uh, out honey yes uh, Sally Field is mother <laughs> she is mother <laughs> um, also of course will we ever read a book that doesn't have a 9-11 scene no oh yeah I know I, and of course, the book ends with 9-11. He's like, and George W. Bush gave an amazing speech. <laughs> and he's like, and he was on like the test flight. So he was always flying like American Airlines Flight 11 or whatever from like New York to L.A. And like that the terrorists took to like just do a test run of like being on a plane. And he was like, and then like Musawi, like one of the Osama bin Laden guys, like, names Rob Lowe as like a witness or something in his trial and he was like I'm not testifying like in this trial but but, that, but the point where he was like but tell the boys at justice I'll give them whatever they need just like referring to the DOJ as the boys at justice I'm like you are so drinking the Kool-Aid you're absolutely insane you literally you think you actually work in the White House <laughs> being like at the end of the book he's like I didn't act to become famous or make money yet obviously the entire book 
he's always talking about how he's like about to leave because his agent like didn't get him enough money for Tommy Boy. Yeah. And then he's like, politics, like the, like that's the true rock stars. It is, <laughs> it is honestly somewhat insufferable. Um, but you know, I, I appreciate that he really did interact with so many different people over the course of his career. And, you know, there there's a real arc here. And yes. he really saw a lot of eras of Hollywood. And yet, I don't know. It's like, was there a ton yeah, of like light Yeah, it's like getting shed? all these stories, yet at the end when we're back at the George photo shoot and like, it's all... I was intrigued why he never got a raise at West Wing, which is like the last story in the book. Yeah. I would, and then he leaves after four seasons and like Martin Sheen gets a raise and everyone else on the show gets a raise and like he's always being shut out of a TV I, guy. I, I, I guess shoot. I imagine though, was he probably not the highest paid to begin with because he was kind of the most famous at the start? Besides Martin Sheen. That's also what I assume. Like, he already, like, they were all, like, so low paid. Yeah. And they gave him, like, a big deal at the beginning. And we're like, well, we're not going to go up. Yeah. And so they started to just increase everyone else's. It seems like not something to be that mad about, considering how much, like, accolades he got from it. <laughs> I mean, right, I, I, which he keeps on trying to convince us. He was like, I didn't, I did it for the role. I guess Can the, you believe I took a 50% pay cut? The most, like, I thought the beginning of the book was probably the strongest. And, like, some of his, the way that he describes the world of Hollywood did feel a little bit, like, it was interesting that, like, they did live down the street from the Sheens. And, like, there was this kind yeah. of familiarity to it. And, like, you're seeing the same people at auditions, which is also, like, a thread that we saw in, you know, Leia Ramini's book. and Right. It's about seeing, like, Leia with Courtney Cox with these people. It's about being like, oh, it's SJP, it's Emilio Estevez, like it's Demi Moore. Like, yeah, I would say the part of the book that was the best part was like when he's talking about filming The Outsiders and like kind of hanging out with the Brat Prack Pack crew and his childhood of like all the fucked up stories of like everyone who was like stabbing their mother on Quaaludes. I yeah that I actually thought that was quite illuminating like his kind of diagnosis of Malibu as be as like a counterculture place that ultimately like catches up to itself and the sort of the Mm -hmm. darkness of being on the outskirts of society means that like there isn't like supervision and there isn't like an institutional like culture that's binding people together and providing a sense of security so this is like he's talking about all the kids who like randomly die in his hometown or not hometown but like in malibu where they moved when he was uh later the ranks of the lost boys of malibu grew at a steady rate Shane, the sweet, goofy kid from my woodshop class, went home one day, snorted rat poison, thinking it was cocaine, and died instantly. Sam, a young kid from Point Doom, lost control of his 10-speed on the way home from school and impaled his head on a tree. He bled to death hanging from the trunk of a eucalyptus on Bosnell Drive. An older kid at school dropped out suddenly and moved away entirely. We later learned his dark story. Hitchhiking on the Pacific Coast Highway, he had been picked up by a man, driven to a remote canyon, tied to a tree naked, and had his pubic hair plucked out one by one with tweezers there was also my brother micah's friend the animal lover scuba diving at night with his girlfriend he decided to rescue lobsters from a lobster trap he got his hand caught in the mechanism and eventually ran out of air 60 feet below the surface while his girlfriend struggled unsuccessfully to release him and there was my buddy tony who heard a gunshot from a garage in malibu and rushed inside to investigate he found a high school kid his intestines hanging out from a self-inflicted shotgun blast Within a few years, my friend Tony would be dead, too, from a weird new cancer. It would be another few years before they figured out what to call it. Sadly, AIDS was around way before the death of Rock Hudson. It's like, okay, insanely chilling two paragraphs. 
That was so chilling. And I do think it's this thing that you hear Gen Xers talking about is like how they were the generation that like was running around and like dying and like getting killed by serial killers, which is I think why also Gen X ushered in like helicopter parenting that we see today. That is. Yes, yes, yes. Celebrity Book Club. Hey, Club Kids, you're about to hear a clip of this week's VIP lounge. Hear all about it. Patreon.com slash CBC The Pod. It's my anniversary of knowing what Web3 is. And a gay guy told me to buy, get on the, pay $600, get on the waiting list for the router. And he was like, I have one at my house. I have one at my sister's house. And I have one at my mother's house. And I make $1,200 a month passive revenue from my Web3 routers. I, this is not, that's literally not what Web3 is. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I so still don't really know so it's what it is. it's actually kind of the anniversary of you not knowing what web <laughs> Subscribe on patreon.com slash cbcthepod to get more content like that every single week for only $5 a month. Segments I only tell, tell my friends. friends. What does she eat? What does she eat? What does she, what does she wear? wear? How, How does she live? Does she live? I mean, what does she eat? I feel like he's just so macro like California cooking avocado quinoa to me, like fresh salmon. Like I feel like Cheryl is making like a miso salmon. Yeah. I think he's watching his way to think he has a trainer. Yeah. Um, and um, he's obviously <laughs> aghast at like someone who's having two steaks and like a bottle of <laughs> I mean, red two wine steaks is a lot <laughs> at night. Um, <laughs> I mean, he is. Yeah. And he's sober as we know. And yeah, it's fresh Santa Barbara home style cooking salads, salmon. Um, what does he wear? I mean, yeah, he's so like tight new Western he, shirt, yeah. distressed he's jeans. He's so like bracelets. Ryan Seacrest from Macy's. Like he's just like the most like Good Morning America style, where he's always going to be so cataloged, Child spike hair, like and so just like paper denim and cloth and like good fitting clothes in like great. Like naturals and neutrals and blues and whites. Blues and whites. And I feel like maybe like he has a few like he's thin, Henley, casual around the house. Like he's like very tiny, tiny buttons. Tiny and like buttons I don't think he has like a Laura Piana like um, suede jacket. I think he has like a cheaper version of a Laura Piana suede jacket. You don't think he would buy Laura Piana? I think that he, he's like sensible, like yeah. More, I like, think he's. Well, I think he's just more, maybe more a classic, like Ralph Lauren suede. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Jacket. I think that he's just like not the expensive version because he's like that seems like a little bit of an indulgence, and and I'm saving for Johnoween. I'm saving for Johnoween's Collegeween, and I don't want to be like yeah. Too I think it's crazy. more like custom surfboard and like saving the water. He definitely has an awesome custom surfboard. Yeah. I feel like he would get a wait. Do you you know Rachel Lord, right? Well, that's what I was thinking of. That I feel like we heard about the custom for Glennon. I feel like she made him a custom surfboard. Friend of the pod, Rachel Lord. Um, how does she live? Yeah, I feel like it's California rustic. Like he lives in Santa Barbara to like get away from Hollywood. And I think it's like oh, because he loves Santa Barbara. That's what's also so nerdy and old about him. It's like Santa Barbara's so eighty five. Well, that's what you know, when he says in the book. He's like, yeah, everyone <laughs> who lives there is old. Did I care? No. Did I know anyone there? No. 
that's also so man too to be like i don't care i'm taking my wife to this weird town where we know don't know anyone yeah and they just like play backgammon every night losers okay (laughs) um look i'm actually gonna give a rating i don't usually give Yes, I did read this book in a day and it was a page turner, but something gave me a bad feeling about it. And I'm giving it, honestly, two surfboards out of five. Wow. But it's also like is a lot better than some of the books we read. But I think in terms of this big Hollywood book, as I was saying, like, I'm just like, there's walls up and it's reporting for duty as a really vulnerable book. Yeah, I don't think it is. That is the that's so accurate. It's literally reporting for duty as a vulnerable memoir, and it's not that vulnerable. It's simply not. I'm gonna. Uh, I will give it like three canceled sitcoms about a Pilates instructor <laughs> who solves crimes. Um, on, out of five, only because I did appreciate some of the writing in some places. It felt. I- I agree. You know. I, I did also appreciate the writing, and I also think this is an amazing gift for the man in your life for Christmas. Yeah. Or Hanukkah, or whatever you celebrate. Or Diwali, or wherever you do roam and celebrate. Oh, wait, who are you in the book? Should I say it? Am I Chris Farley? <laughs> <laughs> De- well, you've already outlived him, so congrats. Oh, that's true. You know, I like to do eat silly things for laughs. Um, you, yeah, you literally had a sub theme. I mean, wow. I mean, ago. you're not, you are not Tom Cruise, but you're not not Tom Cruise at 15. You would call your agent and be like, "I'm not, I'm not sharing a room." Like you get what you want. I'm Corinne, the girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, you're also Sarah Parker at the diner, being like <laughs> acting silly, <laughs> acting silly. <laughs> Um, yeah, fair enough. Um, okay. Well, this was an amazing book, kind of. Amazing. Um, I'm so glad we finally did this. Thank you to everyone who recommended. Thank truly thank you. And keep those wrecks coming. We love them. We love to keep our piggies happy. Um, Lily, I can't wait to get into the VIP lunch with you and talk about my trip <laughs> to Miami and your wild weekend at Ginger's. Yeah, let's let's get into it. Um, all right. Okay, well, best. See you guys next week. Best. Celebrity Book Club is presented by Prologue Projects. The show is produced by Benjamin Frisch. With editorial support from Leon Nafok, Andrew Parsons, Arlene Revelo, and Madeline Kaplan. Our production manager is Persia Verlin. Original theme song by Stephen Phillips Horst. Artwork by Teddy Blanks at Chips NY. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CBC The Pod. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a review and don't forget to tell your friends... Well, about us. And don't forget to go to patreon.com for access to the VIP Lounge, our exclusive bonus podcast. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. 
And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.